Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour podcast. This is where we round up all the best bits from our live Saturday night show on Talk Radio. Now this week, Natalie and Harriet are away on holiday, but I was joined by Deborah James and also Trisha. So Deborah and I thought that this week we'd share with you our interview with Trisha, finding out all about her life and uh, some, she has some really badass stories to share with us. Enjoy. Badass Women's Hour XL on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Welcome back to the Badass <laughs> Women's Hour XL here on Talk Radio. Uh, my name's Emma Sexton and uh, we've got some interesting music. That was This Is Your Life music <laughs> because my usual co-hosts Natalie Campbell and Harriet Minter went on holiday. But uh, I drafted in a couple of legends. The first legend is Deborah James, Thank aka Bow Babe. Legend. Sound. Not legend. You are a legend? No, I like legend. that. Bow Babe is but a legend. But then the second legend is Trisha Goddard. And uh, thanks for joining us on the show I'm this week, Trisha. because of the music. <laughs> I know, but like, we thought we can't have a legend that is Trisha on the show without giving some time to have a proper chat with you, Trisha. Mm-hmm. So we're going to use this next segment to find out a bit more about you because I don't know about you, Deborah. I but can't wait. Oh, like, the vicious look on her face. I, vicious, vicious. Wait. I, I think I grew up with you, Trisha. Yeah. On, well, not literally, not well, in your house. I but. just remember you appearing on TV with the Trisha show right. and loving that. Yes, but what I want to know is, how did you get to having your own headline show on British TV? Because... That cu- you sort of came out of nowhere for me, really, Ooh. and I just think that's I think that's an amazing badass achievement. But what's the background? <laughs> what was the build-up to you getting the Trisha show? Oh my gosh, I've done many things. Um, I was in an all-girl band. I oh was a but hovercraft. You, you didn't grow up in the UK, right? Yeah, yeah. You did mainly in the U. Well, sometime in Tanzania in East Africa, and then in Norfolk, um, which may or may not be in the UK. Where were you born? <laughs> I was born in Hackney. Were you? Um, oh, I, so you were a Hackney girl. Originally. Straight up, darling, straight up. (laughs) Trouble and strife. Yeah, um, and my parents or the people who brought me up, my mother and the man I thought was my dad, my mum was West Indian, Windrush, um, came over to help the National Health Service. And my dad was also a nurse, so both psych nurses. And dad was white and mum was black, except dad turned out not to be my dad but that's another story i had four uh, there were four of us and so myself um and then my three half sisters and um i only just realized dad said that when he was looking for accommodation for him and mum he was obliged to tell people that his wife was colored and so was turned away from many places 
and um, eventually it was a he told me this he said it was a Jewish person the Jewish were really good to us because I suppose Jewish people in that time had felt persecution themselves uh, but eventually we were, when I was five we went to Central East Africa what um, was the what, what made the move to go to Central East Africa a bit mosquito coast my dad was um, very adventurous had travelled a lot when he'd been in the army as a um, and thank God he did. It was a fantastic childhood. You know, when we came back to England, we were we were incredulous that kids cried when they fell over. <laughs> because this, this was Africa of the early 60s. We used to wear hair ribbons in our hair in case one of us got bitten by a snake. And my youngest, now my late what, sister. What would the hair ribbons do? For a tourniquet. We were taught how to do tourniquets. Oh, see, it was, it was like a carrot, like a... Yeah, you wore hair ribbons in your hair. And, and Winnie, my no younger way. sister, got bitten by a snake and I knew what to do. I would have been, what, five or six? Tourniquet, wind up the phone, call the hospital, knew how to ask for it. Because we had house girls and house boys, we call them, they were basically servants. Although it sounds very grand, but it wasn't. Um, I went back in 1984 when I covered the women's conference in Nairobi. I went back to the house where I grew up in and things hadn't changed much. Um, and my dad, they still had the books he wrote. And I mean, I mean, an aligned exercise book um, when he went out there. It's when Tanz Tanganyika became Tanzania and he worked in a hospital for the criminally insane, wow. followed up wow. tales of somebody being possessed by devils. They tracked them down, and it was mental illness. And, um, gosh, I've got some fantastic memories from that. But it, that that's partially where my resilience came from, being the only child of colour, Africa being absolutely free and wild and tough, then coming back to Norfolk and facing bullying that I didn't realise until much later in my life had a very, very profound effect on me, racial bullying. Right, in, yeah, okay. Um, in your teenagers or what, kind of... The effect, point? when I had yeah. my breakdown, I was going through my breakdown in my 30s. Oh, so it came, it came back. I, I didn't even know it had been an issue, but okay. a lot of the, the self-talk and the way I saw myself was yep. because the kids bullied us with the n-word how old were you when you moved back to norfolk about nine right we were okay yeah just basically beaten up most days and then a teacher i remember a chap knocked a tray out of my hand at, at lunchtime and my food went on the floor and i went back it's a bit oliver twist and said can i have some more and she said no you've had your dinner and kids laughed and i ran out and cried just went crying and i sat down on the step outside and this teacher i can see him now i sat down next to me he said you know you've got to toughen up You've got in this country. We don't really want you people here. And if you're going to live here, you've got. You to were nine, on. and someone yeah. said that to you, and you were yeah. aged nine. And Mum came to the school to confront the bullies and said, "Point them out." And she said, "You never did." I said, "Oh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks." You know, but but I didn't really want to tell them my parents because I thought yeah. it was my fault. You know, yeah. and it affected my half sister. I remember her being locked in because we were really further ahead than other kids because we'd been in a really strict school in Africa, run by um. Australians and and um, we were way ahead. We did Latin, we did French, we spoke Swahili, we'd read and what have you. But I remember apparently my sister had been talking in class and they locked her in a classroom. And to this, for years, I had the memory of climbing up the wall with my nails, getting as high as I could, and looking in and knocking on the window, hoping that she'd look up and see me. And I, I it was until I talked about it in therapy, it was my nightmare that reoccurred for thirty-five years. Wow. 
Wow. And how did you how did you get into so how did you go from that upbringing? How did you use that? Because then you started writing. I always wrote. Yeah. I was actually a runner up two years running in the BBC's Young Film Director of the Year when I was oh, in my amazing. teens. One of the other runners up was a chap who made these stupid plasticine things. <laughs> what, he not made morph? a no. Um, Nick Parks. Oh, oh, really? And we, we met at something at Buckingham Palace and we went to John Craven and said, hello, we were both runners up. And he said, in Young mm. Film Director of the Year. And he said, well, he said, yes. And he said, wow. And we said, who won that year? And he said, I don't know. And we said, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I always made films. I, uh, it was my dream. It was my dream. And I remember saying that to mum once and saying I'd never be able to do it. And she took me out. It was snowing. And I was hassling her. And she said, you see that snow there? Nobody tread in that snow. She pushed me. Now you tread in that snow. And that's always, I told my daughters that. Just because no one's trodden in the snow doesn't wow, mean to say you can't lesson. be the first. Yeah, I like yeah. that analogy. Yeah. 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 So you went from wanting to make films. I always did. Never thought I could. Didn't go to university. Working class kids did not go to university. Mm. Um, my friends did. I was at a very posh, great school. Um, just did loads of jobs. Air hostess, hovercraft hostess, got sick at sea. Air hostess based in the Middle East, loved it. Always doing my writing. Eventually, I ended up in Australia. I, I did um, a course where I was trained, uh, taught by Kate Aidy. And she said to me, um, have you ever thought of being in front of the camera? I said, no, don't be silly. <laughs> and I did. But um, in Australia, I was the first person of colour ever in their history of television to be on TV, wow. which I didn't realise until wow, I got KKK written on my door. Yeah. <laughs> Did you really? Uh, no, yeah. well, I, not just... Uh, I, all the shock jocks were... Uh, it went mad. It went mad. But I'd been called worse. You know, it wasn't... You know, but so, you, so you're on TV in Australia then? I got headhunted um, by Anglia Television um, because I... When my first marriage... My second marriage broke up, hard to keep count um <laughs> i'd come back to england and gone around with my tape to two places and then gave up I was so depressed and somebody gave it to somebody um I'd, i had my own production company in australia and did my own show a health and social welfare talk show in australia somebody saw the tape um, when vanessa left they contacted me vanessa felt vanessa mm -hmm. felt i landed on the friday had the weekend luckily monday was bank holiday august 31st and uh, I started the next day and did it until I did it all through my breast cancer. So would have gone through to 2009, wow. first at ITV and then at uh, Channel 5. Channel 5 was my own production company again. And then you went over to America, didn't you? I was um, asked to be conflict. Re I trained along the way. I always skill up. I trained in conflict resolution, NLP. Yeah. And I was invited to the Morrie Show to do conflict resolution for guests. Okay. So I did yeah. up to 20 appearances a year for a couple of years and they said, you rate so well, come over here. Fantastic. So um, I'm now based in You've been there ever since, haven't you? Yeah, well, I'm not doing the show still um, because uh, all sorts of stuff happened. <laughs> Marriage number three went down the pan, <laughs> just hung on to my eyesight and stuff like that, you know. So... Um, yeah, I love it there. I'm in Connecticut and I've got good friends. Got a boyfriend now. Is Would he you... based over there? Sorry? He's based over there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. His... I don't want to give too much away because sometimes I blab too much. But he has his first wife passed away with breast cancer. And he and I have 
you know, I'm not going to kibosh it, but there's there's something that comes from, and and you'd know yeah. this when you it, it's it's a whole new mindset. Yeah. And it it does change the way and what you choose to deal with, not deal with, how you see life. I was going to ask spin. you that question in terms of, because I know we've talked a lot about cancer, um, but what did it do for you in terms of what did you do differently because of having cancer? What am I doing differently? Mm. Oh, wow, lots of things. <clears throat> Actually, it made me cling on to something that I should not have clung on to it made oh, okay. me stay in a situation that was not good for me because I was too scared and especially with age you think who wants to mm. date a 60 year old broad you know mm. um lots there's weird people out there. <laughs> <laughs> but, then, but then when how do you get the resilience to go no actually this isn't right for me you I'm don't gonna go my kids will tell you that I went okay. down a deep rabbit hole okay. I went lost so much weight I I thought I looked good I lost so much weight. I got pretty. I didn't slip into depression, but I was on the. You on the I on the ground. On, yeah. I was on the ground, and yeah. I. Uh, I went to a vile place, and it affected my children as well. And as a mother, you always feel guilty about that. But you got yourself back slowly, um, clawing, clawing me way out of the yeah. pit. And it's hard, I'm sure. Well, yeah, yeah. People always, hard, people it? always yeah. think you just bounce back. But has it had has your experience now being older, being through what you've been through? Did that change your mindset around dating? Like, would you marry again? Oh my god! (laughs) (laughs) One of my daughters said this, Mum. Not saying you'd get married after all; it'd be the fourth time. (laughs) If I was a bloke, no one would say. I I do believe that many of us have different stages of our lives and different partners that fit into that I, stage that's of what life. i think i feel like i need I a man do. a de- per decade trisha you do you do. think well oh, per decade that's pushing yeah. it a bit i mean at my seven marriage years, at least was, isn't it? is it seven years no seven no, year no, no, no mine was tw- no they're saying longer mine was, oh, I was 20 years the last one so oh, i'm okay. increasing first one was first one i was only married for a year though we were together for six Oh, no, the first one, three months. <laughs> Silly me. Then, you know, so 20 years, the last one. Look, the person I'm with at this age is absolutely the person I need to be. It's the first time I've dated someone older than me, yep. who's younger than me, because okay. I've always dated younger guys who seemed older. First time I've ever dated a man, and this is one for entrepreneurs, when you're the major breadwinner, whether you like it or not, it affects your relationship. This is the oh, first time I've dated someone who out earns me. And is yes, it? it makes a massive difference. There's a talk subject for you, yeah, there is, for, for there. entrepreneurs. It's very hard for men to accept if you're out earning them. And do you, f- you feel like that's affected your previous relationship? Absolutely. The fact that you were the main breadwinner? Absolutely. Mm, Somebody asked me what my main ex. Oh, Jamie. Jamie East asked me what my main expenses were. I've been. Did you be on the Jamie East? I am, and I will be all the way through the month. Yeah, Jamie asked me what was my greatest expense, not counting houses and things like that. I said husbands. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, if you're the main breadwinner and then getting the divorce, you run all for prenups now, then are you? Yeah, because you know what's unfair. Sorry, I'm going to have a quick whinge. Um, 50-50 people say, but when you are the mother, 
and you do mm. most of the childcare and the, or everything that mums do. You cook, you do the shopping, you do everything else. And no, I did not have wall to wall nannies. And you're the major wage earner. Yep. How do you give 50% to somebody who doesn't do anything? Or oh, doesn't do as very much? Little. Yeah. You do 75%, they do 25%. That's not 50 50. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, and that's equality is, I believe, um, balanced mm -hmm. it's balanced into who does what but yeah it was a major 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 factor in my past relationships and I'm sorry I couldn't now date somebody who did not earn as much as me didn't work as hard as mm -hmm. me um didn't put in as much as me never again so what would you tell 18 year old Trisha now mm -hmm. looking back run <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> no, no, live, live, live. unapologetically, like un live, mm. because one day you may be faced with the prospect of tomorrow not being there necessarily, and boy, will you want to live, so Absolutely. grab hold of it and do whatever you need to do, but experience life. Mm, that's really good advice. I think that's great. That resonates with me a lot, actually. Yeah. When you don't know what the future looks like, yeah. grab it. If it yeah. feels, yeah. Both grab today. And your mouth. One, two, three, four. You've been listening to the Badass Women's Hour podcast. If you liked it, you know what you should do? Subscribe. Then we'll be in your ears every single week. You could also rate and review us. A little five stars makes us happier than anything. Or a lot of five stars or a lot come talk to us at badass women's hour hr tell us what you loved and we'll see you next week even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.